Most of us at one time or another try a sport, but only a tiny fraction become so good that we call them elite, the best of the best. Most get there through an incredible work ethic that starts as a child and usually dominates their young lives, often at the expense of their education and social lives. For most, the blood, sweat, and tears results in just a few years at the top of that mountain. What then? Have these elite athletes prepared for life after the glory? This podcast celebrates the lives of these elite athletes through conversation stories and a few laughs along the way. And now your hosts, Lucy Sang and Gary Stern. Welcome to After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Sang. And today we have a very special guest from the world of women's basketball. Uh, she is both a- an elite player, uh, coach, and an academic of the highest achievement with a master's in social work. And her life is going to take her in that direction, uh, helping other people uh, as she transitions out of the sport of basketball. And we welcome today Megan Hankins Maldonado. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, for our listeners, Megan is a native of Pasadena, California, played her college ball at Notre Dame de Namur in Belmont, California, up in the Silicon Valley area, a uh, a Catholic uh, college of great renown. It's actually the third oldest college in all of California. Megan was an elite basketball player at uh, uh, what's called NDNU, uh, graduating with her uh, master's in uh, social work. And after that, she went into coaching. She has coached at the college level. She has coached currently at uh, Humboldt State University uh, up in Northern California. The world of uh, helping other people through mental health uh, counseling is going to take up a big part of her life going forward. Uh, Megan, it's great to have you on the show. Lucy, take it away. Well, Megan, Megan's a good friend of mine, and I'm so glad that, that we're finally getting her on the show. It's taken some time, and we finally you know, made our schedules work. Megan, one of my favorite questions to all of our After the Glory guests is, why basketball? Why your sport? What got you into it? How did it start? Yeah. Um, thank you, all of you guys, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, actually, basketball has been a part of my life, my whole life. My dad was my first coach. And um, he'd get us out there, when I say us, me and my brother, um, and we'd play. Uh, We actually, he would actually take us in the wagon to go watch him play for so many (laughs) years um, as young people, like I'm saying, like two, three, four years old, um, taking us to like PCC or wherever he was getting open run. Um, So, and he's just taught me everything I know about basketball. We used to sit at the kitchen table and he'd talk me through basketball. Talk mm. like, okay, if the, if you're the salt shaker and I'm the pepper shaker and like this is this is what I do on defense, how are you going to attack that? Always making me think about the game, not just being someone that plays it, but also thinking about, okay, they take away this, what are you going to do that's different? And so really kind of got me into it that way and just I just fell in love with it I loved all sports but basketball was my favorite and like I said my dad was my coach for I mean he officially was my coach in grammar school and then like I said like just was always you know we're out there every weekend just working on our game so as you got into uh, your teenage years uh, into high school uh, I gather it became just a little bit more serious than mere recreation tell us about when you got serious with the game Yeah, I think I really got serious with it 
probably in high school for sure, but definitely I think I really took it to another level when I actually got to college. Um, I had torn both my ACLs. I tore one ACL my my junior year in high school, and I was coming off of a phenomenal year um, in high, in volleyball and was really looking forward to my junior year in basketball. Ended up tearing my ACL, didn't play. Um, and then a year later, I was a freshman in college, tore my other ACL. So I don't think I really, like I knew I was talented, but then I had to put time in to get better. And mm. so really having to put the extra time outside of practice to really work on my game. Well, Megan, we're definitely going to talk more about coming back from injuries as, you know, that's a lot of uh, the aspect of being an athlete that most fans don't get to experience. I'll just have to say this, put a little asterisk on this podcast. One of the requirements to come and be a guest is that you have to have your ACL torn because both Gary and I have experienced that as well. So right? it's the torn ACL club here. Well, I um, got it. I got both of them. So. I know you you twice qualify for sure. Mm, yeah. So so Megan, before we dive deeper into your career in basketball and of course your your new career as a mental health professional, um, let me ask you about this as we have posed to many other female athletes have you ever experienced or did you and maybe even now experience any um uncertainty or or just discontent when people find out that you have chosen basketball as your primary passion and primary career did anyone ever tell you maybe you should consider doing something else because you're a woman you know, that's a good question. I have to say no. I feel like at least my parents were very much like you need to do what you love. Mm. Like you want to have a job where you wake up and you love it every single day. Um, and I really went for that. You know, I, I they never really told me no. I think some they might have probably been talking about my behind my back as far as people that I didn't know, like, God, like Megan's really going to be a coach, like, or she's really going to make this her life. Like, and she's going to go, I mean, like, really? Like, that's, that's crazy. Um, and also too, I remember, I think in college we started to really lift and I remember coming back home my freshman year and somebody was like, gosh, like you really bulked up. Like you really like that. And I'm thinking, I didn't think anything of it. Like I thought everybody lifted you know and so I feel like my body started to change and people started to have comments about that as far as me being an athlete right like when a guy starts to bulk up it's like oh like that's a good thing but then you know as a woman it's like oh you've got to have these you you look too buff you your arms get too big it's like are they or am I just getting in shape you know um so it's interesting I like that Megan the subject of recruiting comes up a lot because uh, I imagine it must be a uh, a great experience to be recruited. Uh, so when we come back from our short break, we're going to talk about the recruiting process and what led you to the third oldest college in California, Notre Dame de Namur. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Sang and our special guest, Megan Hankins Maldonado, right after this. Role models, they can make all the difference. In our world today, they have never been more important. One of the nation's most successful mentoring organizations is Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of Los Angeles. Their mission is to assist youth in achieving their full potential 
through innovative and impactful programs. And no nonprofit agency does it better. Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of LA serves Jewish children, boys and girls in our local community with a mentoring program that's been going strong since 1915. That's only the beginning. This nationally known agency owns and operates Camp Bob Waldorf. Its summer camping and weekend retreat programs enrich the lives of youth throughout greater Los Angeles. Then there's a college support program, and last but not least, work that helps kids all over the world through the Teen Talk app. Want to learn more? Go to jbbbsla.org. Donate. Get involved. There's no better way to make a difference. Hey, this is Lucy Sang from Resiliency Coaching. I am a certified mental performance coach focused on working with athletes transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. I help like-minded people become high performers and thrive in all areas of life. My goal is to serve as your accountability partner and offer different perspectives as you make tough decisions. Learn more about me on Instagram at resiliency underscore coaching R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching. And thanks for tuning in to After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Singh and our guest, Megan Hankins Maldonado. Megan, recruitment and choosing a college. Tell us about your journey to uh, NDNU. Um, it was... Uh... It was an interesting one. My mom actually was really heavily involved. She, shocker. Um, <laughs> shout out to mom. Love you, mom. Uh, <laughs> she, um, she would go online and look at people's rosters and see like who was looking for what or what in my position, who was a junior, who was a senior. If there were too many sophomores or freshmen, they're like, okay, we're not going that direction, which I thought was an interesting way of looking at things. Now, you know, 20 years later, you know, looking at it from now as a coach recruiting. But, you know, I got recruited from, you know, a couple of schools and the uh, CC2A and then some private schools um, and then also the JC. And I really wanted to go to a four-year. And I was really, I went, I came from a small high school, Flint Ridge Sacred Heart Academy and Flint Ridge Alcanyata. And uh, wanted, I knew that I did really well in a small classroom. And so it was really important to me uh, academically uh, to have a strong academic school uh, but also a school that I knew I could play. NDNU prides itself on uh, both small classrooms and a wide-ranging set of experiences. So it does not apparently um, minimize the role of athletics for the student. And it sounds like that that four years was a very rewarding four years for you. Oh, no doubt. Um, and it was great because, I, like I said, I had torn my ACL my freshman year in college. So I actually had another year to play. And so my head coach at the time was like, you know, Megan, like you should think about going to grad school. So the only reason why, and I got to love sports, the only reason why I went to grad school was because of basketball. I had, had another it. year left and I couldn't leave it out there on the shelf. Like that wasn't mm -hmm. going to happen. Like I didn't want to be my age now and be like, damn, I had a year left. And I didn't use it. So I went back and went to get my master's and I fell in love with, you know, helping people in psychology and was like, you know what, I think I'll stay. I think I'll get my master's. Our show is not usually about what happens between the lines, but I'm interested in your basketball career. Uh, how'd you do? What, what, were the, what were some of the highlights of your um, of your eligibility time at uh, at in college? Uh, <laughs> I... Um, I I believe like I was I'm, I now I know it's been beaten but I had the the most rebounds in a single season 
Um, I think I was averaging something like six or seven rebounds a game. Um, I was given my senior year the Argonaut Award, which is given by your teammates um, as the hardest working player on the team that had run through a wall for their team. And I really actually I put that was my goal in the summer was to get that award. And when I did, like, it was just really rewarding um, to really put your mind to something. And that's what, you know, what happened. So um, pretty cool. Megan, as a fellow basketball lover, I mean, as you know, and maybe our guests, our audio guests don't know that I have a tattoo that literally says love and basketball. Mm, love <laughs> um, it. What do you love about basketball? What is it? Why? I mean, you mentioned playing volleyball and you also mentioned earlier that you just love sports in general. But what is it about basketball that you love specifically? I like the physicality of it. I like that, like, you can kind of get lost in the game and kind of just, you know, let your worries go off. But what I think I love most is that you can be effective on the offensive end and on the defensive end. Like football, you've got defensive players and you've got offensive players. Like, you can mess up on offense and then get it right back on defense, right? You can have a really – you can have an off night offensively and, you know, and just get – a ton of stops take a ton of charges get a ton of rebounds you can be effective in a game and not have to score and not have things that are on the scorebook like charges um or just being a tough a tough son of a gun to to guard um i think that was like my biggest uh compliment is after a game one of the coaches who i really respect i believe I don't know. No, she's not at UNLV anymore, but she used to be the head coach at at Menlo College. And she was like my senior year. I was, you know, getting ready to leave. And she was like, you are one of the toughest people I've ever had to game plan against. Mm. And to me, that was like my biggest compliment from Mm. a coach that I really respected and a team that I really respected. And um, it really stuck with me. So as a player, did you have a sense, especially by your junior year and senior year, that coaching was what you were going to transition to that it was just that you that you had that mentality of being a leader yeah I think so I mean I actually said I was looking at one of the programs of when I was in college and it said like you know she wants to be a coach and I thought yeah I mean I did because my dad like I said was really influential in that way and really taught me the game it wasn't just about playing it was about the teaching of it and so um I really did think I was going to do it I kind of while I was in college I helped that at my high school and liked it and so um, after I ended playing my first year of grad school, I thought, well, let's go see. And I used to, I used to go run, I used to go play up at CSM, the local JC uh, in San Mateo. And um, I just asked the coach, you need help? And she said, yes. So, so Megan, let me ask you this. As a coach, do you still play? Uh, I practice sometimes. It's not, I, you know, I don't, but when it's time to go full, I'm like, no, no, I need a sub. Like I'm not, and I, just, I just had two kids. I can't do that anymore. But I, but before I had kids, I was playing at least twice a week. I love it. Um, well, yeah, I love it. I just have to say as a 30 some year old here, I mean, basketball is the best because it is just mindless cardio, mm-hmm. right? I have two Huskies and they drag me all day long. That's cardio, but I'm actually like thinking about not falling on my face. Whereas in basketball, I'll take that charge and I'll cross that person over. I don't mind because that that's just passion right there. And then you get to sweat a little at the same time. Right. And then running too. Like I hate to run, but when I'm running 94 feet, I'm not even thinking about the running. I'm thinking about like, oh my gosh, I just gave that up. I got to run. I got to sprint back to, you know, Mm -hmm. play defense. So. Yeah. Megan, before we go to break, uh, 2003, you get your bachelor's in psychology, 2006, your clinical psychology, marriage and 
family therapy, master's degree, and you're off to the world of mental health. What was your first job coming out of college? Well, in mental health, in mental health or just college period? Yeah, college period. Well, actually, while I was in grad school, I worked at two places. I worked at this place called Curves. It was like a like a gym. And then I also worked at the Mercedes dealership at the hey. same time. Yeah. So I was doing all that. But my first very first job at a, like in clinical psychology was working at a domestic violence and homeless shelter in Hayward. Um, it was called the Emergency Shelter Program. And I was the children's program coordinator there. It was awesome. It was a great experience. And of course, basketball had not yet left you. So oh, no. When we come back, we'll talk about the coaching career of Megan Hankins Maldonado. This is Gary Stern and Lucy Sang. We'll be back in a moment. This is Daryl Wayne here to talk to you about the co-creator and co-host of After the Glory, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern. When Gary's not talking to elite athletes, you can usually find him doing what he's been doing for almost 45 years, navigating the world of government. As a college student and young professional, Gary helped folks deal with federal and state agencies through his work as a caseworker with a local congressman and state senator. That work prepared Gary for a career as a consumer lawyer. Today, Gary still helps people in all walks of life, but his passion nowadays is his service as a mediator, mostly in cases like the ones he's been handling for over four decades, where people have been injured in accidents or in connection with their employment. You can learn more about Stern Law, the law offices of Gary N. Stern at his website, www.sternlaw.org, that's S-T-E-R-N. Or you can call him at 818-710-2717. That's 818-710-2717. University Credit Union has been providing a financial edge to members for 70 years. Now you can earn more with University Credit Union. Earn up to 5% APY with a university checking account for the banking you already do. Save more when you switch your deposits and loans to University Credit Union. Bank with your brain. Visit ucu.org to join today. Federally insured by NCUA. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Singh with my co-host, Gary Stern, and our special guest, Megan Hankins-Maldonado. Megan, so we talked about life as a basketball player. What about life as a basketball coach? What do you love most about that? I love that I can affect someone's life in a positive way. You know, mm. I have had some amazing players, um, whether I was a head coach or an assistant coach, where they came in one way and left another in a, in a positive way. And I really, you know, have, you know, gotten that feedback back from them. Like, you know, thank you so much, coach, for, you know, being a part of my life and kind of maybe steering me in a different direction. I was maybe, maybe they were going in, a, in the wrong direction or just in a, or they needed help with deciding what to do in school or whatever. So right. again, I think a lot of it has nothing to do with me teaching them how to do a crossover or how to, you know, play defense. It's really about, you know, I'm telling you to be on time on practice because if you're not on time for practice, then you're not going to be on time for your job and you mm. potentially could get fired. So it's those life skills. But I had, uh, I had head coaches and assistant coaches that I played for that taught me those skills. So it's almost right. like you're, you're handing down the torch. You're handing down those nice little nuggets of information. Absolutely. Megan, can you run us through your coaching career, the various positions that you've held, which positions stood out to you for what reasons? 
Sure. Um, I was the assistant women's basketball coach at College of San Mateo for about three years. And then I overlapped that with being a video coordinator for uh, the University of San Francisco. And I was just lucky enough to get that position. I uh, have been really good family friends with Mr. Garrett, uh, the uh old AD from USC and he ended up getting me in contact with someone that got me in contact with the uh, assistant AD at USF that got me in touch with the head coach right it's all about who you know it has nothing to do with what you know and you know Tanya Jave who was a head coach at the time she I mean amazing amazing woman amazing coach and um, played for University of Tennessee for Pat Summit I had no clue this woman's I mean, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Um, and then after that, I went to the universe, or I went to Kyle State, Monterey Bay for a year where we won the conference championship and ended up going to the NCAA tournament and lost in the second round. And that was a really good experience. And then from there, um, left to be a head coach at the high school level at Hillsdale High School in San Mateo for two years, and then got the opportunity to be a head coach at the junior college level uh, for two years, which was a very humbling experience. I think every assistant coach thinks that it's not that big of a jump from uh, assistant coach to head coach and that chair might be really close to each other but it's a very big jump um, so it was very humbling um, experience and I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about just the profession and then because I was in this position, the current person I work for, I work at Humboldt State University as the assistant coach. And Michelle Bento Jackson is one of the best coaches I have ever worked for. Uh, hands down, not only she's the best coach, she's a, an amazing friend and has taught me so much about basketball. I mean, she talk about player development. I mean, she makes kids, they come in playing one way and like she can make somebody's game look like Michael Jordan. Mm. Probably, I mean, she just, she's an amazing teacher of the game and just taught me so much, but she recruited me. I really thought when she got the job at Humble, I was like, oh, good job, coach. Just let me know if you need anything as far as players. And she was like, well, would you want to come back to be an assistant? And I was like, well, okay. And I, you know, so I, I said, okay. I, you know, I talked it over with my husband. I actually was newly married when I took this position. So life kind of happened. Uh, I got the job in July. A week later, I found, well, let me back up. We got married in May. I got this new job at Humboldt State in July. And then I, um, I found out the week later after I took the job that I was pregnant. And so I, uh, I told my coach like, hey, I'm pregnant. And she kind of had this like, uh, <laughs> like, congratulations. And we joke about it now, but you know, cause you know, she's trying to do the counting of the months. Like, okay, well, am I going to have you during season? Um, I only had to miss one game, but um, yeah, it's just been, a, it's been a great journey. Um, it's amazing when you work for somebody who becomes not just your boss, but like a sister. Amen. And that's, and that's what and she it, is. And it sounds like uh, you, in the passing reference to a mentor, um, let's just make sure our guests understand that Garrett is Mike Garrett, the Heisman Trophy winner uh, from USC and uh, went on to uh, uh, great success at, at USC as well. Yeah, um, he was Mr. Garrett to me. I couldn't call him Mike Garrett. That's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even do it now. That's Mr. There, Garrett. So. There you go. Well, <laughs> tell us, then this is, I think, the – the really important point here. Tell us about coaching at the same time that you have a passion for helping people in the mental health field. And you're obviously heading toward that as your main career. Uh, how would you view the, the, the continuation of your work in basketball uh, and, and mental health therapy? Was it a situation where you just couldn't kind of 
give up that that excitement that goes with the sport uh, and but now you're ready uh, how, how did that work for you I think um, I had I had gotten really sick this past year and uh, was told that potentially if I had waited another day I could have not been here on this earth anymore and I think it kind of puts things in perspective right as far as like what you want to do with your life and how you want to continue to move forward and I thought to myself you know I want to be more effective for young people and for coaches for, and for that matter I think that there's a lot of support out there for our student athletes, but there's really not a lot of support for coaches. And I think, you know, a player actually, we just had, I just had this conversation with a player that plays for us now is that players don't really think of us coaches as having lives. Like we're just supposed to be at their beck and call and be able to do and jump and how high and all that other stuff. But we do have other things going on and we have other stresses that are going on. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the shadows. And so, um, you know, I've been around a lot of my colleagues that have been struggling, especially during the pandemic. And I think my head coach currently had said to me one day, like, well, what about us? You know, there's all this stuff for, for the kids. What about us coaches? And that just hit, it hit me hard. And that was, she said that like probably two years ago before I even started to think going back into being a therapist. And so then as kind of life happened to me, it, it's just time. You know, I think that with having two kids and, um, just really having like that passion to help others in a bigger way is really kind of helping me step away um, in a different way. Let's explore that uh, when we come back for one more segment on After the Glory, because it's not just the issues that face um, coaches and players with the pandemic. We are also in a real inflection point in our country when it comes to athletes and our country. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little more about that. When we come back on After the Glory with Lucy saying this is Gary Stern and our guest Megan Hankins, Maldonado. Raise your game to a higher degree. Educating industry professionals since 1991, the University of San Francisco has established itself as one of the leading sport management master's programs in the world. Our locations in San Francisco and Orange County give students access to two of the largest sport markets. Earn a master's degree in 23 months from industry-leading faculty and join a community of over 2,500 alumni and students. Learn more and apply today at usfca.edu forward slash SM. Go Dons! And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Singh and our guest, Megan Hankins-Maldonado. Megan, it's been a, uh, a real pleasure to have you on our show to discuss basketball and life. And this last year in the pandemic, along with the uh, inflection point we're in as a nation in terms of how polarized we are, the racial issues arising out of the uh, shooting and the killing of uh, George Floyd, um, and sport has not been immune from the impact of those events. How did all that affect your thinking as you get ready to leave basketball behind for the full-time world of mental health counseling? It really affected me because I have a young son and um, and I thought to myself that could be him and um, and it really did affect me. I thought I thought a lot about the kids that play for us too and how that affects them in their daily lives and you know people don't really take into account that you know 
yes, they're basketball players, but they're also people too. You know, we had a kid that was living actually in Minnesota. She's from Minnesota and was demonstrating and uh, was almost killed by somebody just driving a truck on the freeway as they were demonstrating. So, you know, it was very prevalent and we had lots of conversations within our team um, because my head coach is really, you know, uh, big on, you know, having those kind of uncomfortable conversations because it's important that these young people understand that like, it's not just about what we do between the lines. We, we, like I said, we want to make greater women. Um, it's not really about, you know, what you do. Cause no one's going to remember how many points you scored against Chico state. We're going to remember the type of person that you are. Um, and so really kind of just getting everybody understanding the what's going on in this country and, and, you know, we need to stand against, you know, um, any type of social injustice towards anyone. Well, you know, I, I, I really want to come back to a quote that uh, is attributed to you from Psychology Today magazine. And you said, quote, now and again, life can throw us curveballs. Athletics has been hit hard by the pandemic and has left many sad and not knowing where to turn. That really sums it up. Um, what have you seen in this pandemic where kids of all ages suddenly don't have their sport. And uh, I know on the, on the Real Sports uh, show with Brian Gumbel, they did a whole segment on kids who are deeply depressed when they aren't able to play Little League or play in their local uh, leagues. Uh, what have you seen? And, and what do you feel you can do about it? Right, right. I, um, I think everyone, if, you know, it's hard to kind of come to that conclusion that like we all went into the pandemic one way, but we all are coming out of it a totally different person. And I think it's coming to grips with that and having people understand that like you aren't that same person. And really, you know, I've seen a lot of kids and coaches just really be depressed with not having games. I mean, our conference, we didn't have, we didn't have any games. And um, seeing our kids on that roller coaster ride, I mean, we were the only school in the conference to be able to practice. And just their elation alone to be able to practice. I mean, there were some coaches that I contacted that, you know, some of these, uh, these some of the assistant coaches had to be let go because mm -hmm. they were furloughed. I mean, so not only did it affect people's mental health, but it also affect them financially. And like, in, and then you've got social justice on top of it. And so, you had a lot of people struggling, you know, from teenagers to adults to grandparents not being able to see their grandchildren. And so it's really, I've just seen a lot of people just really struggle with not having that social interaction that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, right. Megan, as we start wrapping up this episode, let's scare towards what you've been talking about here and there, what you're looking forward to doing, specifically as a marriage and family therapist, supporting coaches, what are some tips and tricks from the coaching perspective that you want to share with our coaches listening to us today? What can they do to take care of their mental health beyond just caring for their athletes or their teammates or even their fellow coaches? What can the coaches do for themselves? Right, right. Um, I think it's a great question. I think that we as leaders and as therapists and as coaches and, you know, we're always thinking about how we can help someone else. And right now it's, if you're not okay, how can you help anybody else? And so it's really taking the time and pause and really like doing some self-care, whether it be reading a book that you love to read that you've been putting off, whether it's really taking the time to just um, meditate or, mm. you know, whatever it is that you do to kind of self-care, self then I think that that needs to happen, whether it's playing with your kids or 
watching that TV show on Netflix that you've been putting off for forever. I just think that everyone needs like that moment to kind of put themselves first. And especially I think head coaches, head coaches are always thinking about everyone else and checking on everybody else. And it really is like, who's checking on you, right? So if it's really getting to the point where who's really checking on you, then it's really asking for help. And it's not weak. It's not weakness to ask for help. Mm. So um, really just being, you know, and, and it takes, it takes if you can do it as the head coach then how many people will follow suit if you're putting your mental health first then your assistants are going to follow then your kids are going to follow and mm-hmm. it becomes a part of the culture and I think culture is huge in basketball and any sport um, if you don't have good culture you don't win and, and coaches hey. want to win coaches want to win so you got to have good culture well Megan I cannot tell you how uh, how impressed I am with both what you have done, but really more importantly, what you're about to do. Um, as you go forward in your life, I gather that not having to make recruiting trips and all the pressures of basketball, uh, somewhere in there, you're gonna be spending more time with your family as well. Uh, yeah. tell, us, t- tell us a little about them and what they do. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, no, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I, it's a bittersweet moment, right? I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, uh, yeah, recruiting, the travel, the paperwork, I'm not going to miss that. I will miss the kids. I'm going to miss the relationships. I'm going to miss the coaches, all that. But I'm going to be able to spend a lot more time with my two kiddos. Uh, Uriah is four and Amara is turning two next week. And my husband, who I've actually been, we've been together for 18 years, but we've been married for five and he is the person that allows me to do this without him there is no me and i think everybody's got to have a good partner to be able to do what they love and he's allowed me to do what i love whether it be basketball or being a therapist um he holds our family down so without him there is no me lucy you've got a real special friend there uh close us out and uh uh, tell us uh who uh, helps us put this show on and uh and we'll uh, close it out for this episode Absolutely. Megan, I want to thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your friendship, but also just cannot wait to collaborate with you as a mental performance coach and as a therapist. I know that we have so much to impact and so much to do and so much passion in what we do. So excited for that. Yeah. Thank you to our sound engineer, the insane Daryl Wayne, our producing team from Podclips, and we're so excited to offer many more episodes from After the Glory to you all listeners. Join us again soon and take care, everybody. Thank you, you guys. Lucy and I hope you enjoyed this edition of After the Glory. As we leave you until next time, we want to thank our team, our producer, Mark Allen, executive producer from Podclips, Mike Anderson, and our sound engineer and editor, the insane Daryl Wayne. We are also grateful for music by T. Dan Hofstede. And as we close out this episode of After the Glory, we honor our guest with our theme song, written and sung by my brother in baseball, T. Dan, the master of music from the islands and the slack key guitar. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and athletic. Living the dream on a shooting star. Hometown crowd cheering what you are. Living large and riding high. Razzling and dazzling across the sky. Back in the day, so young and strong. Work or play, you can do no wrong. But when that ride is through.
Every day. 